Welcome to another episode of Sunday Strays, A House Sitter's Tales. This week it's all about food and dietary habits, mind theirs and a bit of everything in between. Oh, and it's also about the beach. I probably don't need to tell you that it takes more effort to keep my diet healthy on the road. I'm fit and relatively healthy for someone whose spine is thoroughly stuffed. And there are things I do and don't eat. Not that that has stopped anyone from leaving food in the fridge on the assumption that I'll eat anything. After all, I'll sleep anywhere. And it's not always easy to source my preferred brands, though I mostly eat fresh food if it's available and doesn't break the bank. I also like minimal preparation as it leaves time to do other things. And one-pot meals that can be divvied up and go in the fridge or freezer. I love homemade pizza. That will be a recurring theme in my podcasts, so better get used to it. Sometimes, when I roll up to a house sit, the homeowner tells me to use whatever I like from the fridge and pantry. Just as a policy, I replace what I use with the same, or leave some of my home cooking for their return. And I like to eat cheese, but the variety and quantity of cheeses in some people's fridges has blown my mind. Is there such a thing as too much cheese? Yeah. I carry my favourite herbs and spices and a few other bits and pieces. And now, after having done a few years on the road, lug around a few basic cooking tools, including a couple of tea towels. Where do people store the tea towels, folks? I have to ask, as can never find them. But at a pinch, I've used a wine bottle as a rolling pin and a dash of flour in the shardy never hurt anyone. I've also cooked with my hosts. That's always fun. It usually happens if I arrive the night before they leave or stay on for a couple more nights. It helps us to get to know each other better too. I'm also a clean freak and have more than a touch of cleaning OCD. So if the bathroom or kitchen isn't the way I like it when I arrive, well, yeah, I do my own cleaning. That's not how it's supposed to work at a house sit. The host cleans before the sitter arrives. The sitter cleans on exit. But it doesn't happen very often. However, sometimes the clean is superficial, and to be fair, not everyone looks that closely especially if they're in a hurry to get away. Mould freaks me out, but maybe that's just me. I need it gone. Back to the food supply. Stuff like flour and rice takes up space in the car, and I try to minimise what I carry in the way of condiments, so some of my food gets left behind when I move on from a house sit. I make fresh pasta when I can be bothered. That's most of the time and it never gets wasted. If I make a double batch, some will keep in the fridge for a week. Harking back to my caravanning days, it was a luxury to have all that storage space for my cooking supplies. What I'm doing now is just buying what I think I can use up. Of course, there's tea and coffee bags, coconut sugar, salt and pepper, olive oil. I only buy Aussie-grown oil cordial to flavour the fizzy water I like to drink, 
a three quarters full bottle of herbal liqueur I bought on my travels, a few tin supplies for sandwiches and snacks, tuna never goes to waste, and it's not budget friendly to buy butter and cheese every time I move. So I carry a small cooler bag of stuff that goes in the fridge. When I get to my house sit, the bag goes straight in the fridge. If I stay in temporary accommodation overnight, the bag goes in the fridge. It's only a small canvas bag. Most of my hosts have stuff in the fridge that will expire before they return from their trip. If I like it, I use it. If I don't like it and it can't be frozen, it's probably going in the compost or the bin. Luckily, some fresh sliced ham a host purchased just before I arrived could be frozen. At the moment, I'm up to the eyeballs and fresh eggs. I use boiled eggs as protein snacks on my outings. At least two dozen have gone across the road to a friendly neighbour's family. I figure they're going to get a lot more eggs out of me this summer. Another half a dozen eggs went home with a tradie book by my host. He also picked some fresh green chilies from a bush out the front. Veggies and herbs and sometimes fruit can also be traded. If there's a free swap stall at a location, it's usually advertised on the local social media pages or the homeowner will mention local fruit and veggie trading in their handover notes and times and dates for nearby markets. In Victoria over winter, I picked a bag full of saffron milk cat mushrooms. A local winery told me where to find them in the forest, then traded them for figs at a local swap store. I did a house sit of over a month with a traveling partner and it coincided with an avocado festival. At my urging, we spent half a day playing avo golf, tossing avos and watching the avo Ironman contest. Pretty sure I enjoyed the avo antics more than he did. Bottom line, we were swamped by avocados for weeks. Then we bought more at farm stalls when we went out. He insisted we needed to eat avos with every meal if possible. They went in sandwiches and salads and popped up randomly on the kitchen bench, sliced with olive oil, salt and pepper. If we had lemons, the juice was added to the avos and that's my preferred way to eat them. At that time, we also had a glut of silver beet and spinach in the greenhouse on the property. Again, my co-house sitter informed me we had to eat greens as often as possible. You can probably tell he doesn't like to waste food. I think that's a good way to eat, but there's only so much spinach I can eat and retain my sanity. During a beach house sit, I gave bag loads of spinach to campers on the beach and the chooks across the road and made a few local friends that way and got myself invited to a fresh crab feast on the beach with cold drinks. I'd hung my towel over a shade shelter and dashed into the water. On my return to the beach, I met the caravanners parked near the shelter. They were boiling up a huge pot of water on a gas cooker outside. The lady camper brought me a glass of wine and ice. Then we ate the freshly cooked spanner crabs. There's a great pick of me sitting about 30 metres out in the water, sipping wine. 
That particular house sit was interesting for a few reasons. It was acreage just off a beach with snowy white sand on the limestone coast of South Australia. I still had my caravan, which was parked on the property, ticking over on solar power. I sat at the laptop in the morning, did online research and wrote. I was working on another book, which is now in editing. Then after a light lunch, changed into my swimmers, grabbed my towel and headed down to the beach. It was flat water and except for one murky day, crystal clear. At that time, there was unrestricted camping on the beach and people living in the car park, I kid you not. The locals had flyers printed and were handing them out to visitors. It was chaos, but mostly peaceful. All of the local fishermen had tractors to tow their dinghies down to the water, but campers were blocking their access. I went out sightseeing one afternoon, came back and jokingly asked a camper what I'd missed. She told me a lady tourist had put a handwritten note on a tractor telling a local fisherman not to park in front of her caravan as it was restricting her sea views. That didn't go down well. The other problem was the visitors were not putting $10 a night in the honesty box, even though there was fresh water and a toilet above the beach. And sadly, some were emptying caravan toilets into the sand dunes. The local beach users usually pay for an annual pass to camp, so they go down there often. And why wouldn't you leave your idyllic beach town up the road and go camping on an even more spectacular beach. The entire west coast of South Australia is stunning. Anyway, I emailed the council about my observations on the beach. They said they had a plan to sort out the mess, pending a legal challenge, and they did by the following summer. Funny thing is, access to the beach was through private land. So the car park campers, and in one case, a family living in a tent, were squatting on an adjacent property. After meeting a couple of friendly folks on the beach, I started taking bags of spinach and herbs down with me, then swapped numbers and got myself invited to their Friday evening drive into Streaky Bay, some 20 minutes away, for a night out at the pub. I won a chook tray. Half of it was still in my host's freezer when I left. The gentleman camper didn't drink, so we always had a designated driver. Another camper sent me a photo taken at 3am one night. There'd been a high tide overnight and the water had come up under the caravans. She woke up to someone banging on the caravan door. Thinking it was a drunk, she told him to get lost, but he persisted and they got up to find the van up to the axles and seawater. And I woke up to an amazing photo of a floating campground. Another incident occurred on the road into Streaky Bay when a couple who'd been caravanning on the beach were leaving. The entire combo of car and caravan burst into flames. It does happen, gas leaks and so on. A day later, I drove into Streaky Bay for supplies and there was a black charred scar across the road. Hope they were insured. 
I plan to do a bonus podcast on this beach house at some time, so I won't go into too much detail here. It was interesting to say the least and more than a bit strange. I enjoyed the property and was entertained by the amusing hosts. The dogs went with the owners on holiday. Just me and a low-maintenance garden. Plenty of time to kick back and explore the region. Harking back to food, it does surprise me that people with pets with expensive tastes don't grow their own veggies. I've bought bucket loads of premium kale at the owner's expense. The first time to feed a resident guinea pig, the next to feed a hungry rabbit. At the moment I'm buying tins of corn to treat the chickens out the back, at my expense, because I like the chooks. I recall a few months back being tagged in an advert for a house sitter. A lady in South Australia was looking for someone to look after her property and chickens while she took a break. She was scouting around for a suitable sitter without success. She wanted them to pay for her internet connection and she didn't want to pay for it while on holidays. It was around 80 Aussie bucks a month. Now, I have a lot of mobile data, so definitely wouldn't be doing that. Her ad also said she wanted the house sitter to buy all the chook food. I flagged the advert with a website admin, then a few hours later noticed it had been removed. They replied to me and said that asking house sitters to pay for animal care, not to mention forcing them to use her internet, was not allowed. Thing is, the majority of house sits are a reciprocal arrangement and homeowners leave cash for emergencies, like vet visits, though I usually ask them to arrange an account with their vet. I have taken a few pets to the vet, including a very fat dog. If someone is asked to pay for the privilege of looking after animals, walking dogs, locking up, collecting parcels, including heavy items such as cartons of wine, meeting tradies on site, I had to get the property ready for a pest spray this week, and keeping the garden alive during the persistent drought that is Australia. Well, more and more house sitters are going to start charging for their services. I don't charge and don't like the idea of doing that and want to keep it friendly. Many of my house sits are now return visits. I've gotten to know these people and they know and trust me. But in that reply from admin, I was informed that more house sitters are now charging their homeowners. I'd only do that for commercial sits and so far I've turned those down. I heard one horror story about a newbie sitter who didn't realise she'd booked into a commercial egg-laying property, thinking she was looking after a few backyard hens. She was working for eight hours a day during her visit. No time to go out. She stuck with it and didn't feel comfortable asking the property owners to pay in retrospect. I've had a couple of approaches from dog breeders. Yep. Not doing that, not now, not ever. I've heard anecdotally of house sitters charging over $100 a day. Pets prefer to be in their own home and it costs a bomb to put them in kennels or a cattery. 
and those facilities charge extra for senior pet care and to administer medication to pets and, of course, for special diets. Some animals can't be housed off the property. I've looked after guinea pigs, a rabbit, horses and poultry, as well as domestic pets. <coughs> so, you get the picture. What I and others do is good value for the host, and if we get to know each other, provides peace of mind. We're currently heading into a heat wave, so I was up early this morning flicking the hose over the plants, front and back. The yellow roses smell wonderful. I brought a few inside the house. If I leave them on the bushes, they will wilt in this heat. If you enjoyed listening to my ramblings, please hit the follow button. It will help you find in future episodes. My content is released weekly on Thursday afternoon in quick bites of roughly 20 minutes. Occasionally, there may be bonus content on a specific topic, but you can listen to episodes in any order. Although these are my stories, I will sometimes talk to other house sitters and homeowners about their experiences. My content is still largely scripted by me as I'm learning as I go. I'm also going to experiment with outdoor recordings at times. Last week I drove up to the Blue Mountains and rode the Oaks Trail. I could have made some audio with the kookaburras in the background. You can't get more real than that. Maybe next week, eh? And on that note, be aware that although I use noise reduction software, the audio may be recorded anywhere on my travels. At the moment, my recordings are competing with a flock of laying chickens. My current hosts have programmed a wall clock to play a Christmas jingle on the hour, every hour, for the duration of my two-month stay. I got caught out last week as I forgot to check the clock before hitting the record button. It's going to be a long summer of Christmas tunes. However, I welcome feedback on other aspects of my podcast. If you're a fellow traveller, a virtual traveller, or merely curious about different lifestyles, again, thank you for listening. See you next Thursday. And happy trails wherever you may stray.